0: Welcome to another episode of the Haskin Cast Podcast. I am your host, Scott Haskin, here with another box set. So for the next four days, I'll be reviewing one disc each from Bernie Marsden's new box set. This is really exciting, guys. This is actually uh, a pretty comprehensive dive into his solo career. Uh, This album is called, uh, you know, I have a feeling like this is a difficult uh, title for me. It's, It's like I keep forgetting what order the colors are in. But it's Big Boy Green and Blues boxed set. That's a lot. That's a lot to say. Uh, however, I don't have to say it that much, so that will make it easier for me. Now you're wondering where do you know Bernie Marsden from? I can tell you this man has done a ton of work in the music business. Uh, early on, he uh, he did some work with UFO. He was with Cozy Powell's band Hammer, uh, one of Cozy's uh, you know early pre Rainbow uh adventures and then uh he did some other work he was with Pace Ashton and Lord that would be Ian Pace and John Lord from Deep Purple and Tony Ashton if you know if you're wondering where you might know Tony Ashton's name from if it doesn't become clear to you right off the bat um i always sum him up as the drunk guy on the butterfly ball that played piano uh very talented very talented guy um but that's uh he, he was really good at playing uh, a drunk also I mean, White Snake was a huge thing for Bernie. He was on all the albums up until Slided In. So we're talking about the Snakebite EP, Trouble, Love Hunter, Ready and Willin, Live in the Heart of the City. One of my all-time favorite albums ever, Come and Get It, and Saints and Sinners. Uh, so he played with Ian Pace and John Lord in that band as well. So, um, you know, kind of understandable how these people come together and get in these different bands. A lot of it is that there just aren't players. And and, and a lot of the guys in this industry have said that there aren't a lot of players that can just step in and take these parts. There are just not a lot of people that can play at that level. And it's not just how good of a player are they? It's how well do they get along? How responsible are they? How much do they understand about the business? There's so much more that goes into it than just being a talented musician. Obviously, you know, a lot of these guys have worked with people over the years that had issues with drugs and couldn't perform, you know, so you really start to narrow down the scope of who you want to work with based on a lot more factors than just can they play their instrument and can they write, you know, you need to be able to write as well um, or or be directed very well. Like, let's say uh, I'll use a bass player, for example, let's say that you're a bass player that's not a writer. So the writer's going to write your bass lines and you're going to play them. And maybe you're going to throw in some of your own stuff here and there. But as a primary writer, you might not be. So you need to be able to take that direction. You need to be able to you know, speak your mind. But also, if this is what the song is, then that's what the song is. And have that relationship where you can ask questions. What if I tried it this way? That sort of thing. So there's the getting along. There's the talent of being the job itself. And then there's all the other factors of, is he going to show up on time? Is he a party or is he going to be serious? You know, that kind of thing. So uh, he was with Whitesnake for a long time. And um, personally, like up through, I, I would say Slip of the Tongue is my preferred time for White Snake, And that would be a couple albums after Bernie left the band. Um, but all these, like when they were more of a rhythm and blues band before they got really, really heavy and uh, big hair and, and all that kind of thing. Um, he did a bunch of other work. He did a bunch of studio work. He was in a band called the company of snakes, um, had a bunch of appearances, did a ton, a ton of solo albums. I mean, it's absolutely crazy, but from 1979 all the way through 2022, um, plenty of solo work of his to, uh, to listen to. So we're going to get into the first, uh, CD of this box set. And I'm really excited to do that because I'm really mostly familiar with Bernie, with Pace Ashton and Lord and um, Whitesnake. I honestly don't know Cozy Pal's Hammer very well. I've heard some of the stuff. I liked what I heard, but I, I haven't dug into it yet. So really, it's um, Pace Ashton and Lord and Whitesnake that I know Bernie from. So uh, I know he's a very, very talented blues player. We're going to see what these songs are like in the CD box set and um, looking forward to getting into it. So let's just do that we can get into other stuff later i mean we've got four shows to do over the next four days and i don't want to uh you know dig into it all in the first episode so let's just get right into the music the very first song on disc one is called hideaway hideaway mm-hmm. yeah this is what i'm talking about well i mean it's great to start an album with a shuffle right especially a bluesy based album i'm guessing is what we're in for here but you know there is a killer just change in here just like it just flips in the middle of the song and i love that it was very unexpected the whole thing is just really passionate playing it's a really nice music bed that allows so much room for the guitar to come in and shine all the instruments are present it's a little bit of a weird mix for me and I started thinking at first that it was just that the drums were too quiet but I think honestly like the reverb makes them sound more far away than just the volume level I don't know why I'm picking up on that this time um But for some reason, I am. But all the instruments were present. You could hear what the drums were doing. You could hear the bass. You could hear the guitars. Uh, A really cool song. A very fun jam. This is the kind of stuff that if I knew were being performed at a, a, a local club, I would totally go see this in a heartbeat. I'm not the kind of guy that goes out of his way to hear blues or or anything. I go out to concerts a whole lot. If if I do it, somebody pretty major, it's got to be like Uriah Heap, Deep Purple, somebody like that. Um, but man, this is the kind of stuff that I could just sit at a club, have a couple of drinks, kick back, relax, let this stuff take my mind off of the world and just enjoy it. So I'm already anxious to get to song number two, which is called Don't Want No Woman. if white men could play the blues the great bb king was quoted uh, in the liner notes here as saying some can peter green eric clapton johnny lang they feel the blues oh and that white snake guy bernie he got it and who could argue with that i mean you know who knows the blues better than bb king the absolute master. Now, this song was originally, um, it was by Don Robbie and originally recorded in 57 by Bobby Blue Bland uh, on the Ace label. Now, Bobby Bland was known as the Birdman. There were a couple of White Snake covers of his music, which um, I didn't know for quite some time. I was very, very surprised. I'm going to have to look and see which ones they were because I don't remember off the top of my head. I just remember thinking, wow, what a visionary David Coverdale must have been to have picked those songs and then done to them what he did. But I don't know that David would be the right one to credit. I should really say Snake on the whole, because it could have been anybody in the band at the time. It could have been a producer that said, hey, you guys should do this song. And then they made it, you know, their own kind of song. I don't know uh, how that all came to be. All I know is I've heard uh, Bobby's original versions and I've heard White Snake's versions, but I heard White Snake's first, to be fair. So um, I I like the White Snake ones better. I've talked on the show before about how I think the first version that we hear is typically the one that we like the best. It's the one that we become most comfortable with. We may like covers or other versions of the song or original versions of the song if we first hear the cover. But in any case... Uh, this is a great piece of music right here. Another shuffle, which is it, it just lends itself so well to the blues. Very common for blues to be in a shuffle. Nice walking bass line, two songs in a row. Again, very common for this style of music. I'm not extremely well versed on blues like this because it's not something I really listen to a whole lot. But I can tell you two songs in, I'm already sold on this album and I can't wait to see what other treasures that it has to hold um, pretty amazing stuff. So let's get right to song number three. This is because there's 15 on here. And by the way, Bernie is not credited as a writer on any of these. So it looks like, uh, I haven't read the, uh, liner notes yet. I just wanted to jump right into the music. I was so excited. Probably should have read the liner notes first, but in any case, uh, it looks like these are songs, which is cool. Um, it's interesting too, is a cover, like doing blues covers, because they're not your stories you know you're not but a lot of times the writers they're telling stories that didn't happen to them uh relayed by a friend or something that they made up so um but it's weird it's like what is your connection with this song that was so important for you that you wanted to cover it that would be my question and uh although i may never find out that answer i do find that interesting it's it's one thing like if you're covering a rock song oh man this song gets me pumped or this is just a great album opener. I wanted to open my album with it or uh, just so many things about a song. Blues is so personal. It just, I don't know. It's its a weird one for me. I, I don't know that I would ever cover a blues song because I think I'd want to tell my own stories. I don't know. Maybe not. It, it's hard to say. i am I'm really going off the rail here. Um, but I'm really enjoying this music. Bernie's playing on this stuff is absolutely fantastic. The mix is obviously done in a way to make the guitar the most prominent instrument, um, but we can't hear everything clearly, which is is really nice. This uh, stuff is well-mixed so far. So let's get to track three, If You Be My Baby. You know, for a guy who really enjoys progressive music, I am really loving this just laid back, let the feelings come out at, through the instruments kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, the first thing that came into my mind with the song title, of course, um, If You Be My Baby, would be just taking Be My Baby and thinking about the song uh, Be My Baby by, I believe it was the Ronettes that, that did it um it was probably the wrecking crew that actually recorded it but it was it was released as The Ronettes I believe which then of course uh was a big hit and then became uh famous again by being the song that Elizabeth Shu was dancing around to dreaming of being a bride getting ready for her date with Brad and uh, in a movie called Adventures uh Adventures of Baby Adventures from no Adventures in Babysitting wow <laughs> I should be doing a podcast. Um, Let's talk about the band. We've got some really, really cool people in the band. Of course, on lead vocal and lead guitar is Bernie Marsden. What a great voice he has, too. Can I mention that? Um, he, He looks like he'd just be such a quiet and timid man, but he has a fantastic voice as well as being just an awesome guitar player. On piano and organ, we have Josh Phillips, bass guitar, John Gordon, and drums. We have Steve Dixon. The uh the Midnight Horns, guest horn section here. Uh Nick Pendelo and Nick Payne. I'm sure that wasn't confusing. And then on the uh harmonica on a song called Rollin' Man, which we'll get to was John Keeley. Uh, you know, as a drummer, these songs can be really difficult at this tempo, at least they always were for me. I um I tend to want to speed up and play something a little more up tempo a little more uh technical and aggressive i guess uh, as a drummer but man when you can find the groove for a song like this and just stay in that pocket it's a great feeling and uh unlike the walking bass lines of the first two we were getting uh bass it was really staying tight with the drums just doing that uh that nice shuffle doom, do kind of uh rhythm and uh, and it was really nice and the horns just just laying a little bit of a bass there, you know, uh, great vocals, great guitar work, of course. But yeah, I'm really liking this stuff. And for somebody who's not uh, a big blues guy, I'm surprised I'm enjoying this as much as I am. And the sound they're getting in the studio is fantastic. Very, very clean, very well mixed. Um, I'm liking the drum sound more and more, even though that they feel a little distant. You know what I feel like is I feel like I'm listening to this in a club. And, you know, the, the guy playing the drums is along the back wall. The guitar player is like really close out front to the crowd. The singer's over to the side of him somewhere. Bass player's hanging out somewhere between, you know, the drummer and the singer. And, and it just feels right. Like normally this kind of that thing would really annoy me as an engineer. But for this kind of music, I think it really works. And I've learned something today, which, you know, I never know if that's going to happen. So I'm, uh, I'm very excited. Now we've got our fourth song. This one is called Little Girl. Well that sounded creepy. What a great song. You know, I love the changes in there in the beat. That really makes it exciting. This feels, I don't know what the, you know, I'm not that great on music history as far as what time era is what. I want to say this feels a little more like 50s rock. Um, Not sure if that time frame is 100% accurate, but it it feels more like, you know, when rock and roll was getting started. And uh, it's got such a great feel to it, though. It's got like a modern sound to that classic style of playing but uh the beat changes are great on this great vocal um really strong song i really like this and i like this as you know the track on this positioning on the album too because it's uh you know we've had a couple songs that were real similar in a role in style in a row in style and then uh you know we needed something a little bit different so this was a great place to put that song, I think. And uh, and great for energy. Like if you're starting to fade for any reason, which I mean, I don't know why you would be because this is really great music. Man, this would just lift you right back up again, which is awesome. Uh, and You know, track placement on an album. I've talked about this before, but, you know, if you're new to the show or maybe haven't heard those episodes, it is certain the way that an album flows from one song to another, you don't just take a bunch of songs and just throw them on there. You know, you got to figure out what is the best flow of the songs that we have now these days, because mostly we're talking about things in digital and uh, even some still on CD. um, You really don't have to choose like an A side and a B side as much as you used to. Although some of those strategies, I think of the flow of songs are still um, applied, but for those that are cutting vinyl yeah that can make a difference because you've got certain you know only so much time can fit on each side and you have to make the album work so that you can maximize the amount i've seen um albums recently where they'll split them up into multiple lps because they can't get that configuration right or without rearranging the songs or um you know, they'll leave songs off of it because they, there's just too much because albums don't go to 82 minutes like CDs do. So you can have a much longer CD. And then for the album, you're like, OK, well, now what are we going to do if we want to release a vinyl? So another, um, you know, the the media once again dictates to an extent how the album is going to work just because of what's available. And we've been in this era, I think, since CDs got popular and we stopped, really producing new music on vinyl for a long time. I mean, it's making a comeback now, but um, where they were just like, let's just stuff as many songs as we can on this bad boy. We got 82 minutes. We're going to charge 1299. Let's give the fans their money's worth. And um, we could charge more because we're going to give them more. And um, they would stuff those things full. So now when some of those albums are now um, being looked at to be put on vinyl, uh, they can't do it or they have to do it as a multiple vinyl set, which is going to cost a lot of money. Um, not just to produce, but to purchase and to ship because shipping is stupid right now, so um lots to think about when you're coming up with that, but the order of songs is so important because regardless of the medium that you're listening on or that you're purchasing, album's gotta flow it's just gotta flow um otherwise you'll it, it does subconscious things if the album doesn't really flow from one song to another so um that brings us to our next song now this is called. Rollin' man and listen for John Keely on that harmonica. changes in these songs are just bringing me so much joy especially as a drummer you know like if you're if you're sitting down and you're like all right got a night of blues ahead of me and you're going to be playing a lot of shuffles and and stuff and you you see that there's these you know uh beat changes in there in a lot of these songs and you're just like man this is going to be a fun night and it would be but even as a listener i have to say they're a lot of fun um again it's like such solid guitar playing great musicianship. Like you really feel like these guys are together and I don't know what the circumstances were, uh, when they recorded it, if they, you know, just kind of just did it as a jam and did overdubs, which would be my guess, because, you know, I think that's how you'd have to record music like this. If everybody just goes in and does their thing individually, I don't think you're going to get that, you know, that camaraderie in the music. I really feel like they're one cohesive unit performing these songs. Uh, as a side note, I did look up and the song that Whitesnake covered from Bobby Bland was Ain't No Love in the Heart of the City. Um, I thought Help Me Through the Day from Love Hunter was another one, but that was not correct. That was written by Leon Russell, which is uh, another one of my favorite Whitesnake songs. Great guitar playing on that one. So if you have Love Hunter or if you have, I don't know if it's on Spotify or, or uh, you know any of those music services because I don't subscribe to them. Um, but if you have love Hunter, if you know, somebody that has love Hunter, uh, check out that song. I'll be covering love Hunter at some point. I'll be covering all the older white snake albums at some point. Um, just a matter of getting to them. There's so much stuff I want to do. Um, it's kind of crazy and I'm just trying to get to all of them. And, um, that's why I'm not doing these box sets as like a weekly show. Cause it would be like, it would have been a month and a half for Ken Hensley. And if you're not a fan of Ken Hensley or you don't like this stuff, then that's like a month and a half that you're not going to listen to the show or you're not going to you know you're going to get disappointed when you see oh well it's another week and he's reviewing another one of these so i'm doing them in these batches that i think if you're a fan or if you're becoming a fan they're they're great cuz you can just listen to one every day but it doesn't impede from like the random variety of the rest of the show so um that's why all that's happening that's the update on bobby bland and white snake i don't know if any of that's relevant but damn it it's all true So, uh, Roland, man, great song, great harmonica work. Let's listen to Merry Go Round. This, to be quite honest, is the kind of thing that I think of when somebody says blues. Like if they're like, hey, there's a blues band playing you want to go check them out. This is the kind of song that comes to mind. And this is not my style of blues. Like I like everything that we've heard up to this point. There's really nothing wrong with this song. But this this tempo is such a um, classic blues tempo. It's it's like a walking bass line, but it's not that straight walking bass line. It's it's a, a variation of it. Um, drums are, are very, very simple and it's so repetitive vocally. I hate when songs do that when they're like, I'm going to tell you, baby, I'm going to tell you, baby, tell you, baby. And then the thing, and it just, that kind of stuff just absolutely drive me, drives me nuts. You've got all this room. Tell me a story that's going to engage me. Don't just keep repeating the words. So this one, um, is not a, a favorite. I will say the music, uh, the musicianship, uh, on all these is good the, the beat was pretty cool um it's harder for these slower tempo songs you know like on the last one um on rolling man i think it was there was a nice little um extra hit on the snare which normally like in a rock song would be done on the ride cymbal and they did it on the snare which i thought was pretty cool um i i did mean to mention that but by the time that i got to the part where i talk i had forgotten that happened Um, but yeah, not, not a favorite of mine. This, this merry-go-round one. Um, but I would say in the style of like classic blues, it's a great song. So let's move on to a song called watch out, not watch out, watch out. this is a nice uh, moderate tempo, maybe a little bit uh, upper moderate tempo blues. Um, you've got to really be able to deliver vocals to make this kind of music work because you've got basically two opportunities to express the emotion in blues, right? You're going to have either your guitar or keyboard or both, um, but then you're going to have your vocals. And those are the the things because the the bass and the drums typically just carry the motion of the song. They don't You know, from the blues that I've listened to over the years, and and I know that rock has its uh, base in, in blues, but, you know, for the just blues stuff that I've listened to over the years, it seems like the bass and drums are really just a vehicle for the motion for everybody else to come in and kind of shine on top of it. So I have to say, you know, as a singer, Bernie definitely does that um i i feel the passion coming out of him on each of these songs and that's so important because if you're just like you could have a great guitar part you could play the the solos in it great the fill ins uh great and then if your vocal is just bland or dry then you're not going to sell the song like it just doesn't work so very very important and um i'm really liking the way that Bernie's singing on these songs absolutely fantastic um Let's get into the next song. This one we're hitting like the middle of the album now. This is called Snowy Wood. One thing about a song like this is it really just feels like a jam, you know, where they happen to have like a, a chorus that they planned out that they would come together at. And the rest of it, just like, we're just going to back up the guitarist and the organ's going to fill in that side really nice. And uh, it just, it just feels so together and alive and in the moment. And this is a studio recorded song. That's one thing I absolutely love about this track. And really I've I have to say, I felt that way about the whole album so far. Um, I said it really feels like one unit just recording together at one time. And um, the songs just feel so fresh, though. It's like, how could you possibly rehearse all this soloing? And I don't know that that the solos aren't just completely spontaneous. Like maybe the songs were written as jams with solo sections to be, you know, between this measure and this measure. Then we'll come together. Then the next section is between this and this. Bernie's going to take this one. Um, Maybe we'll have organ shine for uh, a couple of bars here and there. I I, I feel almost like it has to be planned out like that more so than, okay, this is the note for note song and here's how we're going to, you know, and let's record it because it just feels too alive to me. And if that's, if that is the case where it really is strategically written out with the solos are planned and everything else, I've got to say kudos because this recording feels not planned. And I think that's what makes it fun for me is it just feels very much alive and in the moment. And it's hard for me to find music like that because I feel like so much music is is plotted and a lot of it has to be that I listen to because it's more progressive. But this kind of stuff is just like in the moment jamming. And, uh, And I really dig it. I really do. And I never thought I would say that about this much blues music in one day, <laughs> because like I said, it's not something that I normally listen to. It's, it's not something I crave, but this is just some great stuff, great playing, great sound. And, you know, I was trying to think of what, what sound are we hearing from Bernie's guitar? What is it reminding me of? And it almost sounds like a cleaner version of Jimi Hendrix's guitar on the, are you experienced album? It really does. It it has that um just very similar distortion to it to my ears. Uh maybe I'm remembering it wrong, but that's that's what I'm associating it with. So um uh, there's that Our next track is called My Heart Beats Like a Hammer. this is such a perfect tempo for tapping your foot. I found I was doing it through the whole song and I realized something uh, interesting about myself while I was doing it. I noticed that when I'm tapping my foot to a song, like when I'm sitting down in a chair, um, I tap with my, my toes down lifting my heel and that's how I I tap. And I'm really more bouncing my knee, I think than anything else. As a drummer, I am a, I drum the same way, only I lift my foot, you know, to to get that snap of the bass drum pedal. Um, But it kind of makes sense that I would tap my foot that way. I don't tap heel down, tapping my toes as much. And there are drummers that play heel down. Some play both, depending on the song. Um, But this is a a great tempo. It's got such a good vibe. Again, the lyrics kind of drive me nuts because it's that typical blues repetition and this isn't on Bernie because, you know, these are all cover songs. So he didn't write the words to these. But, you know, it's, it's, that's one thing that is such a turnoff about this genre to me is that there's just so much of that repetition in vocals. Um, you know, you, you've got all this room to tell a story. So just, you know, you've got you your talented, your creative say things that are part of the story instead of just repeating the same lines. I've never understood that about, blues music but that's one of the reasons that i don't uh i don't seek it out honestly um but this is a good song it's, it's got a really good tempo i love the slide playing from bernie on this one um it adds just such a different texture to the guitar overall but it's a really really cool piece and and just the, the perfect tempo like i said for a for a good solid blues piece which um which brings us to song number 10 and uh by the way speaking uh earlier as i was about you know, squeezing as many songs as, as you can onto an album. So this one has uh, 15 tracks on it. Our second disc has 13 tracks on it. And discs three and four, uh, I believe both have 12. So they're pretty packed. And if you think about albums over the years, and sometimes, you know, you'd have a, you know, nine, 10 minute song on an album, but albums were like eight, nine songs per album. And, uh, you know, thinking like in, in the rock and roll up and coming era in the late sixties, early seventies, you were getting like eight, nine tracks. Um, now we're squeezing like double that onto an album. And so, um, again, that's why a lot of times you'll go with double vinyl or things like that, because you just, you just can't squeeze it all onto that one, uh, format the way that they were writing for album back then. And if they were, you know, at 28 minutes then they'd be like, Hey, we need an extra track they weren't saying that at 55 minutes because albums weren't typically going that long. So, um, but you know, the, the great thing is the music on this is so great. We're just getting more great music, which, you know, who can complain about that? Our next song song track, uh, track 10 is called shake your moneymaker. And I feel attacked. <laughs> Well, I think it goes without saying that the lyrics drove me bats on the song, but the music is so good. Uh, Again, just some great slide playing. And now that I, you know, that I'm thinking about it, thinking about songs like Steal Away from White Snake, and and really, I never thought about that being slide guitar, but there's definitely some slide guitar on that song. And I'll have to go back in my head through the White Snake catalog and figure out um, how much of that was slide. But uh, man, this is just such a a fun tempo, really upbeat, really exciting, um, great playing. You can't go wrong with this song. You absolutely can't. Uh, Lots of fun. If this doesn't get you out onto the dance floor, then you just don't like dancing. And that's okay. I'm not a dancer either. Um, I think if I were to be put into a situation where I was required to dance, people might get hurt and not from me trying to hurt them. I just think it would happen. So uh, I was happy to sit in my chair and enjoy this song. I'm also looking forward to our next song. It's called Love That Burns. That sounds like a Vegas thing.
1: you said you love me now Will you love me tomorrow
0: Like you said Wow, what a powerful song. You know, this isn't the kind of song that you tap your foot to. It's more the kind that you just Slowly nod your head as you're listening to it. And it's such a great feel. I love the gentle organ on this one. Um, Bernie's delivery of the vocals, of course, uh, is, is really good in this light, too. Um, tough song as a drummer, because, again, like you just want to do something more than just sit back and play so gently. But it's so important that you really just lay the bed for the song as a drummer, that is your job as a blues drummer. And, uh, and I think he does it really well. Yeah, great song. I love that we have something that was just really different here. And, and this, uh, this spot on the album, uh, really, really cool song. So uh, that brings us to song number 12. This is called The Welfare. And then the subtitle is Turns Its Back On You. Wow, that's cruel. Coupled with Love That Burns, our last song, these are the longest two songs on the album by far. Uh, Love That Burns is six minutes and 48 seconds. This one, The Welfare, is six minutes and nine seconds. There is not another song on the album over five minutes. So these are quite lengthy in comparisons to the other songs, which I don't know, maybe that makes them feel longer to me than they, are, uh, than they would if I just listened to them as a one-off because I'm hearing short burst, short burst, short burst, long burst might make it feel a little longer. Although I have to say love that Burns went fairly quickly. Uh, for me, the welfare seemed to be dragging a little bit for my taste. Again, keep in mind, I'm not really a big blues guy, but uh, but it was a good song. I, it's, it's a classic uh, feel, right? Just that slow, I'm going to tell you my anguish. I'm going to lay it all out for you. Um, some really nice surprises, though, in uh, in the way that the song was performed uh, with, with different drum fills and things that I wasn't expecting coming in. And, uh, and I thought it was interesting, Um uh, but the song did drag a little bit for me, um, probably could have taken a minute or two out of it and I would have been much happier. But again, that's just me. If you're not in, and you know, it's going to be long. If you are into a song, it's probably going to feel too short most of the time. So there you have it. Um, but yeah, the welfare is a great title for that song. You definitely feel, uh, an anguish a frustration, um, but a, a good piece of music, no doubt about that. Uh, our next song is not called Stepping Out by Joe Jackson. This one is called Stepping In. Yeah, the horns really make this one for me. Um, they just keep it uh, interesting and, and they just add that extra bit of spice to it to help me um, enjoy it even more. I think it would be a pretty decent song without them, but um, in fact, there's there's some really nice piano playing in this one, too. But uh, I think the horns just really add that extra element for me that um, that I really enjoy. And I'm not a big uh, brass guy. You know, even as somebody who composes classical music, um, who's done film scores, I don't use brass a whole lot. Actually, um, it, it, I, I'm more woodwinds and strings than brass. But in a situation like this for this kind of a song, I think brass is such a a natural component, you know, Um it, almost like making cinnamon toast without the sugar. Like you have to have the sugar to make the cinnamon toast work. Um, so it, uh, it just adds a little sweetener and I I really like it. I think it works very, very well, but cool song stepping in it has a nice false ending. I thought it was done. And then it started up again. I'm like, whoa, did not expect that. So that was a bit of fun. Um, but most of these songs, like they've had the concert ending to them and they all, you know, they all lend themselves to being played on stage very, very well um but yeah instead of fading out or or stopping any other way they all have that like let's stop take a beat and then just do that concert ending and um that's getting a little repetitive for me to be honest but um you know the songs are kind of long enough where you've gotten away from the ending from the last song enough to be able to hear it again so it's not so bad uh our second to the last song track 14 is called the supernatural beginning of it was super cool and you know the organ is such an amazing instrument i mean being that it was used to score a lot of older horror films too it's very versatile it can be a beautiful instrument it can be uh, uplifting it can be rock and roll but it can also be really creepy and moody if you want it to be uh and this was a great example of it in that intro and i love the drums i, I it's um again to kind of throw it back to jimi hendrix thinking about the song waterfall Uh, The beat was a little bit similar to that. Not exactly, but similar to it. Uh, I liked that there wasn't any snare, you know, just just those mellow sounding toms and the kick drum. And uh, I I like that. And then also, um, well, there might have been a snare with the strainer thrown off, but none of that like snappy snare with the the strands on it. Um, Love the bass line. That was very intriguing, a little mysterious, which I think lent itself to the title of the song very well. But those hanging guitar notes, man, those were those were sweet. I really love that. Just hit that note, bend it a little bit, and just let it ring out. Really, really cool stuff. Great, tasteful playing, and probably I'd have to say this is one of my favorites on the album so far. Um, very different from the rest of the songs. More soundtracky almost, and uh, me being a soundtrack guy, of course, that appeals to me and loving uh, like horror movies and supernatural sort of stuff. Uh, Definitely an appealing title to me. But yeah, very cool song. Uh, I really like it. It's very different from the rest of the album. Very moody. Um, Good stuff. So that brings us to our final track on today's episode. This is called Man of the World. Just one little guy.
1: the world I've flown across every time And I've seen lots of pretty girls I guess I've got everything
0: what a gorgeous song i'm not sure how well it fits on this cd to be honest um and having not heard the other ones yet i don't know if i would have preferred it be on on a different disc but you know being that this was all blues based until our our last song the supernatural um this is really more of a pop song and so i'm not really sure how well i guess it's blues based so maybe that part works but it feels very apart from the rest of the songs That being said, this is a damn beautiful song. I absolutely love it. I love the gentle delivery uh, from Bernie on the vocals. I love the layering of the guitars on this song. And the recording is so crisp and clear. Um, Definitely can't complain about that. Uh, Story-wise, it was right off the bat. It reminded me of a song called The Air That I Breathe. And uh, I wasn't sure if I was right. I was thinking it was the Hollies. So while I was listening to the song, I looked it up, and sure enough, it was the Hollies. I was right. But what I was wrong about was when the song came out, I thought this was like a mid to late 60s song. It actually was a hit in 1974. But it's a completely different song from this. It just has that same subject matter. You know, if I could have a wish, I'm so happy I don't even need to take it. Like, that's how good life is for me. and I kind of feel like this is in that same vein. It's like, I wouldn't change anything because things are just... Just where I want them to be, and I'm happy, and I don't need anything more than what I have. God damn, I can't wait till I get to that point in my life. (laughs) 50 years in, you'd think I'd be there by now, but you know, life is life. Uh, But this is such a beautiful song. Um, It's a great album ender. I will say that. Whether it belongs with this collection of songs could be debated, but uh, just as a song to end an album with, I think it's a very beautiful ending. It also has a very slow, long fade out, which I like. For the last song on an album, because when you have that, it makes you feel like you're missing out on something and you immediately just, I got to listen to something else, whether it's, I'm going to start this album over, or I want to hear something else from this artist. You want something, there has to be something more. And, uh, and, and I really, I really like that. It's, it's almost, um, I don't know if it would be a subliminal thing because I, I mean, it's very apparent to me. So subliminal things would be things that like flash and you don't catch them. But there's some something about the programming of that I think where, you know, I I can't ride out where the song is going, and I feel like I'm missing out. So I want something else to replace what I'm losing because I can't follow where the song's going. Um, that being the case, a, a beautiful song. I, the the last two songs on this album are probably my favorites. But this whole album is really good. I mean, there was one song I wasn't too big on, and then you know the lyrics uh, again, just that you know like I'm repeating myself about them repeating themselves, uh, which I just don't like about the genre itself. You don't get a whole lot of this in rock and roll. It's one of the reasons I didn't Beatles because I felt there was just a lot of repetition in, in the words. And they certainly had the capability of doing so much more than that as we would come to find out. So that would be a turnoff to me. But that's why I don't normally go after this genre. That being said, I very much enjoyed this album. I can't wait to get into CD number two. We'll talk about that tomorrow for today. Thank you guys for joining me two days in a row uh, for another episode of the Haskin Cast Podcast. We'll be back tomorrow with CD number two from this wonderful new box set from Bernie Marston and Cherry Red Records. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Cheers.